can't believe it. It's a Friday once again. Well, Gabe, wow. how are you today? Very warm, Steven. Tell me about it. Global warming is in full effect. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about it. The ice cubes are melting, <laughs> as they were, as they are, as they do. And we're back. This isn't our first cast. Stranger Things has happened. Stranger Things has happened, and will continue to happen. I think season four drops soon, right? Yeah, May 27th. It's a big month, May. We got Doctor Strange. We got Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's going to be content heaven. Severance just ended. Shout out Severance. Woo-woo. Atlanta's airing. Lots of good things are airing. Winning Time got picked up for a second season. Moon Knight's going on. Severance got picked up for a second season. Yeah. You know, lots of good stuff. It's all happening so fast. Life comes at you fast. If you don't take a minute to turn around once in a while, you might miss it. Is that the line? Is that the Ferris, Ferris Bueller line? If you don't take a minute to take a sip of your water every once in a while, you're going to die from heat stroke. Especially in this weather. Have you ever had heat stroke? I don't know. Have you? Yeah. What what happens? When I went to Washington State as a kid, the winters are harsh and the summers can actually get really hot too. So I, I got cold. I got I got sick in the winter and then I got heat stroke in the summer and heat stroke is like not fun. It'll it hit me in the stomach and I was just like the I felt like I was dying. What? I, felt, I was just I remember I was at school. This was probably like in fourth or fifth grade. And I was just like parked up against the side of the portables. Like, just, like, on the ground. Just, like, like it looked like I might have died already. I was just baking on the cement. <laughs> People would walk by me, like, what do we do about the body? <laughs> I would wave them off, be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm 10, but I'm fine. Just give me some water. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. So, stay hydrated, folks, and stretch. Remember to stretch. Thank you for that advice. Yeah. The Doctor is in. There's a lot of other films coming out right now. Instead of seeing the new A24 smash, everything, everywhere, all at once, we, we decided to see this movie instead. What movie did we see, Gabriel? We saw a movie called You Won't Be Alone. Not A24. Nope. But Focus Features. You Won't Be Alone. Produced this, yeah. Throughout this whole episode, You Won't Be Alone. No. Would you like to be? <laughs> Would you solo cast? No. You should try it sometime. No. I bet you could do it. I can't tell if you're being serious. Just look in a... We'll put up a mirror where I'm sitting right now and you can talk to yourself. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds actually bad. It, it'd be a fun experiment, I think. Anyway. Yeah. We what? just got back from the theater. What is this movie? It's uh, an art film. There you go. An art film. Loosely horror adjacent. <laughs> it's about a witch. and uh, They kind of marketed it as horror, I would say. Yeah. Well, you can't market something as an art film and expect to get any kind of a return. You got to kind of you know pull people in with something. Yeah. Very, very much an art film that has a witch in it. A wolf eatress. Or eateress, eateress, I think they call her. <laughs> Who directed this movie? Goran Stilevsky. Goran Stilevsky. Don't know country of origin, but it sounds Scandinavian. Doesn't it? Russian? I have no idea. My ignorance is showing. Let me zip that up. I think this was his first feature, though. He's done some shorts working with some of the actors and uh, performers that were in this film. Namely, Sarah Klamoska. Klamoska? Who played Navina? Yeah, and the film was written and directed by Gorn. 
Yeah. A bit of an auteur, this man. I would say this is a very auteur film. For those of you that don't know what auteur is, it just simply means writer and director. The creative force yep. lays pretty much squarely in his hands. Every, every choice, everything you see comes from the source of that one individual. So what an, what an interesting... I have one thing you might be interested in. Ooh. The same cinematographer as Blue Bayou. Matthew... Blue Bayou. Blue Bayou. God damn it. Blue Bayou. (laughs) Blue Bayou. What happens when you're driving (laughs) and a car goes really fast right by you? Hey, Blue Bayou. All right. Okay, moving on. I love the cinematography in Blue Bayou, and I love the cinematography here for most of it. There was a couple things about this film that, well, I should say we're doing a review episode today. So we're not going to jump into all the nooks and crannies. Well, I think that's an interesting thing to point out because this is a fun way to summarize the film or describe it to someone who might be curious. It is basically the visual style and the the, the storytelling of it. It's like Terrence Malick did The Witch. It's Terrence Malick's The Witch. Yeah, if you could combine a Terrence Malick film, this movie was very reminiscent and similar to Tree of Life or any other Malick film, but you know, this was asking a lot of the, the larger existential questions like tree of life did. And then it combined that with sort of the woodsy time period, which Robert Eggers style kind of horror film. Yeah. It said 19th century Macedonia. So pretty, uh, foreign time and place. Macedonia. I hardly know it. Hardly know it. Hardly know it. Uh, Why do we have a podcast? <laughs> uh, so a lot of those elements were there that Malik would be fond of. Flowery prose that just kind of bleeds into poetry. This film was narrated by our main character. Because she got her vocal cords destroyed when she was a baby. And so like you, you hear... Uh, her inner kind of dialogue monologue as she goes through her journey. Instead of getting to hear our main character protagonist speak, you hear sort of a voiceover happen every so often. Yeah, but it's very... It's almost like broken English a lot of times. It's more like conceptual like concepts or ideas, broken ideas that still sort of make sense. It's poetry. Yeah, it's poetry. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't the rest of the characters... A lot of it is re- repeated throughout the film. Once an idea comes, it kind of uh, gets left there hanging for a little bit and then is circled back around on. Yeah, there will be syntactic or grammatical like uh, motifs or uh, manners of speaking that she'll use and it'll kind of have a song-like quality to it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Almost like a spoken word kind of thing. Yeah. But you want to talk about the plot? It's pretty simple, but... Yeah. In this time and place, there is uh, a wolf eateress, basically a witch that uh, exists there. And she comes to collect one day for a woman who lives in the countryside. And she marks the daughter. And so this mother, in a fit of hysteria, thinks she can outsmart the witch and for 16 years or however long. Yeah, buries, 16. Yeah. Buries away her daughter in this little cave or alcove that is supposedly protected by religious symbolism. Uh, engraved on the wall. So she thought. Yeah, skip forward 16 years, and the girl is now grown, but she is um, 
She's she's not developed. Maladjusted. She's been in the cave <laughs> for 16 years. She's not developed as well as she could have been both physically and mentally. Yeah, emotionally as well. Emotionally, it's, for sure. Yeah. She's a... Uh, she's stunned. Oh, feral's the word I was looking for. She's kind of feral. Oh. Like Will Ferrell? Yes. <laughs> it's uncanny. She, she was very comedic. One day the witch comes to collect... And she just waltzes in while the mother's there, and the mother. Well, she flies in as a yeah, bir- she, as a bird. Yeah, the witch the witch can shapeshift. <laughs> That's important. The witch shapeshifts. If, yes. If you, if you guys didn't hear that, she turns into anything and any animal or anybody. So to get into the cave, she's a bird, and then she goes behind a rock and uh, kills the mother. It would have been interesting to see her put a flower inside of her, and then become the flower. I wonder if she could do that. I feel like it was just uh, fauna and not flora. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do know what you mean. <laughs> or Merriweather, for that matter. And people. People and animals. <laughs> you think she could turn into a boat if she put a plank inside? You're <laughs> <laughs> a joke. monkey, Derek. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then the witch leaves with the girl because she takes the guise of her mother, the dude she just killed, and they leave. They go back to the house to drinks the blood of an animal because that's what witches do and then the the witch sheds her disguise and it's like oh wow you're the witch after all big shock uh, the cues the first act of the film wherein our young female protagonist navina follows the witch around as she they just kind of spend time together for a little while until the witch tires of navina's presence yeah the the witch makes her a witch yeah and then she decides. Oh yeah, that's why they went back. I shouldn't have made you a witch because she is kind of not like you know an adult. She's very young in her thinking and in her her ways of looking at the world because she's been in a cave her whole life. Infantile. Yeah, and so the witch decides this was a waste of my time. I shouldn't have wasted turning you into a witch. And then she just is like, I'm done with you forever, and then just abandons her. Then she's left to her own, you know, self and. Now she's a witch and she can also, she watched as the witch would turn into animals and how she did it. And so she ends up killing a woman Mm -hmm. and then decides to embody that woman, become that woman by uh, the way that the witch did, which was essentially taking the guts or the innards or the, the bowels of the thing or individual that you just killed and then putting it into uh, this mark into this like hole inside of your inside of her chest that opens up basically putting the innards of that thing inside of you. It's a very elemental thing, very transactionary thing. And then, then you as the witch become the, the individual. So she turns into this woman who just had a baby. That's Naomi, Naomi Rapace, Rapace. Yeah. We're not sure how to pronounce her name, but she's great. (laughs) We just saw her in lamb last year. She was in Prometheus. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Girl with the dragon tattoo. The Swedish version. So she spends some time as Numi Rapace, maybe like 20 minutes or so, and lives her life. This is the first of her other lives that she spends throughout the film as another person. And this is her first encounter with like uh, sexual violence, I guess you'd say. And basically the way that becomes her first kind of insights into humanity is the, and also kind of moving forward, the framework for the film, which is in, uh, interpersonal relationships, particularly the relationship between a man and a woman, husband and a wife. So after a while, Numi Rapace's husband goes in for some sexy time and 
Navina, the the young witch who is new Mira Pass in disguise, uh, kills the husband because she is like you know frightened at what's happening to her, and then she runs off. She becomes Navina again, and uh, in and out of these experiences, the witch is like interacting with her and telling her like, "Oh, the people there, you know, they're not good for you." Blah blah. blah. They're gonna reject you. Yeah, exactly. Moving forward. Uh, Navina will next encounter, was it the, the man? Is that what happens next? She embodies a dog. Oh yeah. Yes. And then she embodies a man, yeah. uh, like a, like, like a young man, like 30. And yeah, she, then she, she has sex as a man. She was, she, she first has sex with that man. Didn't go so well, just like the first time <laughs> then becomes that man. Yep. So now she's living as a man and this provides a whole nother dynamic dynamic to the film and to her character's growth because she's like discovering what it is to be human and she essentially is goldilocksing these people consuming their porridge she's like this one didn't fit this one didn't fit this one was just right well it's important to say as the man she has her first uh pleasant sexual experience which is funny because it happened as the man and then she becomes a young girl grows up falls in love with a boy and uh at the very end the witch comes to you know, be one one final act of vengeance against yeah. the world. When we find out also that the witch had a lot of trauma in her past, she was basically raped and then burnt alive at the stake because they found out that she was a witch. And that's why she's been trying to, I don't know, sway our protagonist into thinking that the world is out to get her because mm-hmm. the world was out to get her. And then she's been acting out of jealousy essentially the whole time. And then she kills the man that she, uh, the, our protagonist has fell in love with. She grows up. She's by the, she's embodying this young girl for the rest of her life. She grows up as this young girl. Bilia. Named Bilia, I think. And then she takes a shot at her child that she just had. And then the, our protagonist, Bilia now, um, <laughs> makes the baby into a witch via the same means that the the witch made her into a witch to save the baby's life to save the baby's life and then kills the witch yeah in a very mirroring kind of way that mirrored the beginning of the film with her mom trying to save her life and i thought that was like a really cool way to put an end cap on the film i didn't see that coming that kind of mirroring thing at the end yeah it was a very satisfying conclusion yeah i mean it was sad every part of it was sad but it was also like, it felt right. So I really liked this movie. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I liked it more as it went on and it started to give you more information on both the witch, the older witch, and more human experiences for Navina, the young witch. She discovers what it is to be human and to live all these different lives and to accumulate all these different perspectives and to have it be an ultimately positive experience to contrast with the older witch. It was a very artful movie. I can't say I'd uh, recommend it to everybody. <laughs> it's like watching poetry. I don't know if you get if you've seen Terrence Malick stuff. You have a good idea of what this this literally yeah plays as. But it's it's like watching Terrence Malick with some pretty horrific things. There and suspenseful things. There's you know kind of like infant torture, almost briefly. Yeah. And it was really difficult for me to watch as a father of young infants. But uh, there's some graphic. Yeah, there's some graphic stuff. 
But that's not what the movie's about. The movie is about life and, you know, what makes life worth living. And, uh, the, like I said, the larger sort of existential questions that Terrence Malick often asks in his films. And that's what the phone, that's what the film mainly focuses on. And as Gabe was saying, you don't really understand that until, I don't know, a third, almost halfway into the film that that's what it's doing. And once that happens and you kind of understand, oh, we're getting to experience life through all these different people's perspectives, that it starts to become a very different kind of movie and a very beautiful kind of film. And that's when I started to really get into it. Up to that point, I was like, what is this movie trying to do? I didn't really understand. And then the the cool thing about this film, though, is it, I feel like for me, it got just incrementally better as it went on. It just kept getting better and better and better and better. Yeah. And then it finished sort of in the same place that it started with the same, like I said, sort of rhyming or mirroring scenes where the witch comes to attack the child. And... You know, there's there's a righteous justice act where she kills the witch and, you know, she continues to go on. And, and then the movie ends with this idea as it cuts to black. She, our protagonist again, who you're hearing through her voiceover, she says, and yet, and yet, because she keeps presenting this idea that oh, life is like there's all these beautiful little things, these beautiful moments it's so simple. Like it's so simple to just enjoy and be present and be in these moments. But then there's blah, blah, blah. There's fill in the blank or there's, you know, some sort of witch that's lurking around every corner or making things worse or there's adversity or what, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and so the film ends again, like in this very, with a beautiful justice moment of her taking revenge on the witch who essentially has ruined her life. And, or at least tried to ruin her life. And then again, tried to ruin it with her child and her husband. And then, you know, as she's in the, the highest of heights of her experiencing the beauty of life, where she's finally married to a person she actually wants to devote herself to and who accepts her for who she is, he's taken from her. And then, you know, it's this very, life is this very bittersweet thing sometimes. And so, that's how the movie kind of ends. It's like, here's all this beauty, but then there's this, there's this darkness that's kind of lurking around the corner and that's the, and yet, you know, and yet there's darkness I can, you know, and so that's kind of how the movie ends. And I really liked how it ended for that reason, because it didn't just end on this high, you know, it's like, hmm. yes, there's all this beauty and things, you know, that we can enjoy and life can be so simple, but it's usually not, you know, there's, it's usually a little bit more complex than that. Yeah. It's both beauty and terror. And Navina got to experience all those swirling experiences, all those different perspectives, all the good and the bad. And it, w it was really refreshing to see that presented in such a way, both, you know, through the narrative and literally the way she's describing it through her very poetic delivery yeah, this is a pretty thematically dense film, to be honest. There's a lot going on, not just on a metaphorical level, because there is that, like what the witch, you know, you could take for as representation, but also just like if you want to take it more literally, like the characters and their roles mentioned like marital 
dynamics between the man and the woman, which it, it hits on a lot, but also just like growing up, you know, through different age brackets, what those experiences are like. Goran had a lot to say, I think, when he was telling this story. And I think if I were to watch it, you know, five times, I would take five different lessons out of it. Sure. Or, or, you know, messages, I guess, away from it. The ideas. Yeah, the ideas that are presented are very, they're very human and very relatable. Like, I I made the joke of the Goldilocks thing, but it was interesting because here she is in this kind of almost like a, like you said, infantile, like a newborn kind of state where she's never been in the, these experiences or had these, you know, been in these circumstances before. And she tries the adult woman. It doesn't go so well. She tries the adult man. doesn't make sense. And then she ends up taking the form of a child, which is essentially what she was mentally, emotionally. And then she lives out her life as a child because that's where, that's where the beauty exists is, is being able to have those childhood experiencing those childhood moments, those beautiful moments that we hopefully all get to have growing up that, that, you know, allow us to see that life is worth living and pursuing. And I thought that that was a really beautiful touch as well. I like to think that she stayed as Bilia, you know, moving. Oh, after the film. Yeah. Like an epilogue that she finally found her skin, you know? Yeah. She finally found herself mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. And she get, she has to live both now with joy and grief because of, you know, what she's endured. Yeah. In like a very thematic way, the witch, the witch turning our protagonist into a witch was very much just sort of an allegory or metaphor for just darkness in the world and the the difficulties we all have to face in life and that just became very clear as time went on as these other things were presented as our protagonist who we sort of meet and spend the first third or half of the film in a very dark state we don't really get to see anything else but darkness and then we get all the beauty that it comes later and so the metaphor was very clear. And so that's what I thought was interesting about this film. Cause it was, like I said, it was marketed kind of as a horror, but it's more of an art film that is, you know, asks the existential questions with the device of just having those horror elements to tell the story that I think Goran wanted to tell, you know, it, it almost didn't even need to be that, but it was that because it made it really interesting. in the fact that like, literally you're having your protagonist, try on different ways of, of living or being in, in a very physical way, but also, but you know, and also a very metaphorical way as well. And I thought in that way, the device that we got was sort of this horror element of having the witch kind of always lurking around, which, but like, it didn't even need to be that it, it could very well could have been like lost with like a smoke monster or something. It could have been anything else, but that was just the device that he decided to use for this film. You know? Yeah. I'd almost call it more fantasy than horror because I, yeah. at no point was I really I was, scared yeah. in this movie. I was tense. Like I was suspenseful mainly yeah. when, when like the, the infants lives were at stake. But yeah. other than that, <laughs> it wasn't horror at all. Yeah. There was tension, but. To to the horror, there was some great sound design. You know, we mentioned the gore already, uh, and the music was noteworthy as well. Just all the elements of the film were 
ultimately really beautiful to me. I don't know. Yeah. That's my takeaway. Maybe I'm just crazy. No. I think most people that would see this film would probably, hopefully, say that if they can get past the f- first half of the film. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people walked out. Yeah. Not either both not expecting it or just not liking it. Yeah. You know? I honestly didn't even expect, even as I was watching the first half of the film, I was like, I don't know if we're probably going to do a podcast on this one. Hmm. And then the film just took that turn. And like I said, it kept getting better and better and better until it actually ended. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was a very meaningful and thoughtful and thought provoking film. And we definitely need to talk about it because there's, like you said, it's very thematically dense and there's a lot to talk about here. I'm curious if this is old folklore. Yeah. You know, because this feels like it's a classic yeah. kind of story. Yeah, especially like Aslam was, I think you were saying, was that Nor- Norwegian? Norway? That was Icelandic? Icelandic? I want to say. Because that was based off of Icelandic folktale. Yeah. I wonder if this was as well. Because there was a whole backstory to the witch. And well, This isn't Scandinavian, it's Macedonian. Oh, I know. I'm not. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying in Lamb, that right. was based off of a folktale. This, I was wondering if also was based off of a folktale. Maybe. I think they old maid Maria was the yeah. name. Yeah. Could be. She was an old maid. Yeah. She was just a woman scorned. She yeah, she has she had a really I love the way they fleshed out her character. They she had a really intense story. <laughs> it was really sad. Really sad story. <laughs> was that her dad? Yeah. Yeah, cuz she was she needed a husband and that's how they baited her to the uh other place where the shit went down. It also was interesting the way that it showed that like Maybe she had to because she was diseased or something, but she had to keep, she kept drinking blood because she thought it was the thing that was sustaining her. Interesting. Yeah. You, you do see blood drinking in this as well. There's, there's a lot of blood drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Organ uh, implanting as well. Yes. <laughs> and you see it and you yeah. see, you see babies get tortured. So it's not for the faint of heart, but it's neither is life. Neither is life. Brief, very brief instance of baby violence. It's very brief. It is, but it's t- but it, there's a lot of moments where ba- something like you don't know what's going to happen to a baby. There's a lot of babies in this film. There's a lot of animals, and the animals don't make it out. <laughs> well, I thought it was really interesting, especially as a, a director's first film. Well, I was like, wow, he's doing a film in the countryside with multiple babies, multiple children, <laughs> and then like a bunch of animals as well. Like we're talking hawks wolves dogs boars chickens boars pigs you're like what else like gosh so so you fish. have <laughs> was there fish yeah oh that's right you right. mean to cut the fish yeah so you have all of this all of these elements of 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 animals and children which as a filmmaker those things are really difficult to work with yeah um and so i was really impressed by like just for that as well because you know if for my first film, I would not be like, hey, I'm going to throw All these... a bunch of kids and a bunch of animals. Like, this sounds, sounds How miserable. How difficult can I make my debut? <laughs> yeah. But I can't wait to see what he does next, Goran. Yeah. He's anyway. A, he's a <laughs> wonderful storyteller. Yeah, he's really good. I was really surprised. And, and it's clear that he's interested in the, the bigger questions, which is something Gabe and I are always philosophically mulling over. Inclined. But I would not recommend it again for everybody. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but for the cult podcast, where we do talk about culty, culty, and often occulty things, mm, the occult podcast, the occult podcast, that uh, we definitely thought that this was worth 
talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So, Gabe, until next time, you you keep it real there, sir. And yet, and And yet, by the pricking of my thumb, (laughs) something wicked this way comes. I love witches. Witches are great. We don't get enough witches these days. Witches get sitches. Get bitches. (laughs) 